in today's episode, I interview NorCal native, powerlifter, esports player, Mike Farr, also known in the fitness industry as Silent Mike. We have a great conversation, truly eclectic guy, really humble, had a great time speaking to him. Check it out. about myself um you know i've been following you for a little while i'm a i've been you know powerlifting strength training uh, but something that really you know kind of drew me to you is your your basketball background you know and i kind of that kind of led me into you know lifting weights but you know i've been following you since the super training days and seeing the stuff you've been doing over at you know barbell brigade um but yeah you know thanks again for you know you seem like a really humble guy uh, so i appreciate you know taking that time to to do this interview with me Appreciate it, man. Yeah, no worries at all. No worries at all. Yeah, thanks, bro. So, you know, I just wanted to give you guys um, a little background on on Mike. Um, so, you know, can you just, you know, talk about a little bit about, you know, what got you into fitness? Um, you know, what were your beginnings in, in just getting to this whole game? Yeah, I guess uh, first time I, I started uh, actually in the gym was probably 2001, 2002. I was in 7th or 8th grade. Um, mm-hmm. I, I fell in love with basketball at a really young age probably, you know, kind of like everybody, I guess. You, you start right. playing some kind of sport when you're maybe even five years old. There's pictures of me messing around with the basketball, but got serious around maybe 4th or 5th grade. Uh, and it's the only sport that I really loved. And, uh, I was always interested in, um, even my mom would just interview my mom for my podcast a little while ago. And she talked about how I was always asking ways to get stronger or be faster. Will this help me or will that help me? And so, uh, luckily I had really supportive parents and, uh, Eighth grade, my dad got me a, a trainer or a strength coach that worked with some of like WNBA uh, players here in Sacramento and a bunch of the really good high school talent and some European pro basketball players and stuff like that. So started training for basketball then, uh, continued my whole high school career, uh, played a little bit of college basketball. And as soon as um, just not a good situation in my junior college, uh, I didn't have a great experience, so I dropped out. And okay. then, then I dug in full in because I was going to go try out at a D1 school on my own. And I knew, oh, nice. you know, I'm only 5'9". Uh, right. I knew I had to, to be at tip-top shape if I was going to make one of these teams. And so I just started researching every single day, all day long, how, how to be faster, how to be a, a better athlete, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and that kind of led to where I am now. Uh, I joined a gym called Super Training Gym in like 2011, 2012, which was um, the only like real – strength and conditioning kind of powerlifting gym in my area right uh, now it's now it's obviously very popular on the internet over the years but uh mm-hmm. started working for the company slingshot uh and then and then got from there uh the rest of my my life's kind of been on the internet since about 2012 yeah. uh podcasts and youtube and things of that nature but over the last seven to ten years um obviously i didn't go back to college um i just figured that i i, I loved basketball but i hated school more than I loved basketball. <laughs> right, and, right. Uh, I, I kind of found my path of being a coach and a content creator. Um, and so, so far it's doing good. Uh, who knows, who knows when I'm 40, I might have to go back to school, but for now <laughs> I'm just grinding that out. Yeah, man, that's awesome. You know, I think we have, you know, really similar upbringings, um, you know, basketball, basketball and soccer have been my kind of two main sports, but, uh, growing up I was super skinny and, you know, I, I never lifted. I mean, I bought like, 
a couple dumbbells when I was in middle school, you know, I would do like push-ups and bicep curls and stuff like that. And then uh, when I really try to get into, you know, basketball shape, you know, I don't know if you remember those, uh, there's like those, those big jump shoes that have like the big soles on the, on the, the balls of the feet. I used yeah, yeah, those. With no heels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I would go out and do those things like on the field and stuff like that. So, you know, I got into, you know, decent shape, but again, I was like, pretty skinny um up until you know my my senior year of high school and just like you you know I wanted to play basketball and take it to the next level so that's when I you know started picking up you know lifting weights and I'm I actually grew an inch in college I'm 6'3 now but I was 6'2 you know like a buck 70 so super scrawny so you know that's I started you know decent, lifting weights. that's okay <laughs> basketball height bro I was I was five, I'm five eight five nine since seventh grade a buck eighty. Uh-huh. What's what's Steph Curry? Six four one eighty? Yeah, something like that. You're right there, dude. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Oh man, but yeah, but and you know, I, I took up uh, you know, just like you, I started researching, you know, bodybuilding.com was kind of like the holy grail back then and every now and then I would go on tnation.com and you know, whatever whatever was up, you know, popular at the moment, you know, just researching yeah. like how do you gain muscle? How do you, you know, you know, increase your vert? But, um, yeah, you know, so I went through that progression as well. And that's kind of how, how I found, uh, you know, powerlifting. And, um, yeah, you know, ever since then, you know, now I'm a track and field coach. Um, and, you know, I'm always trying to learn more. So, you know, I've been doing, you know, weightlifting and stuff like that. But, you know, I've, I've discovered all these kind of different gyms, um, you know, super training and barbell brigade. I don't know if you if you ever met Cerro. Uh, he was he was over at Barbell for for a little while. Um, yeah, Cerro I know Cerro. Yeah, I know Sarah very well. Yeah, that's crazy. Him, him and I actually met like in uh, I think my junior year of high school. We were both at this like leadership camp <laughs> for a couple of days, and we were roommates. And, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, so it's crazy. You know how you know we kind of kept in contact over the years, but then you know he kind of blew up. So that was really interesting. But um, you know, you talked about. Uh, you know, let's talk about a little bit about, about your uh, powerlifting career. Did you ever uh, end up competing in powerlifting? Yeah. You know, I uh, as soon as I decided that, you know, kind of fitness or coaching or whatever was going to be, I guess, the way I'm going to try to make money or what – at least it was what I was interested in. So I dove full in. And uh, right. I was coaching high school basketball at the time. Um, and I decided uh, – I got my, my personal training certificate. I took a couple of junior college courses and – nutrition, sports nutrition, kind of athletic mm-hmm. training, kind of injury prevention, right. you know, just some things to get, gather some knowledge. I obviously had a really right. good strength coach myself. My high school basketball coach was in that. Um, and just when you look up how to, like you kind of said, like you're Googling how to increase your vertical or, or whatever it might be, a lot of things lead you to powerlifting in some nature, some kind of squat, right. some kind of deadlift. Uh, and so I kind of fell into the sport. It's it's not something I ever like fell in love with. I never wanted mm-hmm. to be a world record holder. I never wanted to compete right. necessarily. But uh, when I joined Super Training in 2012 or 2011, the environment there was purely competing powerlifters you, you, you right. weren't forced to compete by any means but it was just kind of a given that like well why else are you here there's only like right, 10 right. of us and everybody's <laughs> like shit three, three out of the 10 are, are probably world record holders at the time and then right. everybody else is still squatting 800 pounds and and, and, yeah, and, and freaks of nature yeah so <laughs> I, I just competed because that's what everybody did and that's like right. how you proved yourself or that's how you not necessarily proved yourself in strength but proved yourself in the sense of like yeah i'm serious like i'm not just here to get jacked right. and, and whatever so um pretty much for the last seven or eight years 
I've competed probably a minimum of once a year. In, in, in okay, some wow. Um, I've probably done a couple years, obviously, more than one time. But um, yeah, depending on injuries, depending on my schedule, I always try to compete because, you know, that's kind of the world I live in. Um, that's what I coach. That's what I've preached. And I do think there's something to kind of putting your ass on the line here and there. Yeah. Uh, dedicating a, 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 a scheduled day, a goal. I am doing this on such and such date. Um, and then it's hard for me to kind of preach that if I'm not walking it, you know, and, and right. honestly, I don't like competing. I don't like it at all. I get no <laughs> fulfillment out of it. Um, mm-hmm. A good meet. I don't feel good after a bad meet. I don't feel good after. Um, right. It's it's not for me, but uh, I don't want to be the guy on the Internet that's talking the talk and not walking the walk. Right. For sure. Yeah, man, I've competed in one powerlifting meet. And again, it was more of just like. You know, I've been into powerlifting for for years or, you know, I just like strength training in general. And I found powerlifting was a great way to build strength. So, you know, I decided this past year, actually, I competed in my first one. And I don't know if I'll do it again. But again, it was kind of just an experience I wanted to try. But, you know, during the meet, uh, for people that don't know, you feel like crap. I mean, I don't know if this has ever happened. Yeah. You, you probably had a better, uh, you know, regimen than I did. But, you know, cramps, like my hands were cramping, my, you know, everything was cramping. You just feel like you want to die. <laughs> there are a lot of factors that people don't understand. Like people are like, well, I deadlifted 500 in the gym. So I'll probably deadlift 525 in the meet. Right. But like there's all the nerves built up. Now there's all these yep. eyes on you. You're all by yourself. Yeah. Like you said, yep. like the, the regimen of food, nutrition, water, like whether you, whether you were have a good regimen or not sometimes you just cramp up because i think the nerves you get nervous you start pissing every 10 minutes and then of course you're going to get dehydrated (laughs) and then you're going to cramp up like some things you just can't avoid but they're factors people don't think about or or how long it takes to you to warm up uh timing's Mm -hmm. really important sometimes there's delays you know someone challenges a call now the judges have to do this now you're all warm now you have to wait an extra two minutes it's not like the gym where you you can freaking set a timer or, or hit your next set whenever you want so it is a little bit more of a sport obviously than training and and uh, i do suggest people go and do it um especially guys like me and you that grew up in basketball or something that's very team oriented it's a very different uh very different environment to kind of just compete for yourself yeah man definitely and uh you know just to touch that again i mean it's you know it doesn't matter what your one rep max is in the gym because, you know, people don't usually max out on every lift in the gym, right? It's, all right, I got my upper body day, I'm a, you know, I'm a hip bench. And then, you know, two days later, do my deadlifts or whatever it might be. Yeah. But, you know, you get three attempts that are, you know, pretty much each maximal lifts. So you're basically doing nine max, you know, max effort lifts on, you know, within, you know, a few hours that just, you know, taxes your nervous system. Um, so it's pretty intense. It is. But, um, it is. Yeah, man. Um, so, you know, when did you kind of step away? Because I know, you know, you left super training and then you kind of started doing your thing with Barbell Brigade. Were you still competing then or was it because I know you started doing um, Kaizen, which is more of like an online programming, right? Yeah. So I, I uh, worked for super training. Uh, I started working for Slingshot. I think about a year after the slingshot was invented, um, okay. 2012 or 13, there was no podcast. There was no YouTube. Right. There was no gym. There was no nothing. Um, <laughs> I mean, there was a YouTube, but it had like 10,000 subscribers. So, um, I basically worked there for five or six years. Uh, we weren't seeing eye to eye, so I kind of went my own way. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I competed last year, uh, Barbara Brigade, uh, oh, okay. 
we're friends during that time. I, I don't live in LA. I, I live in Northern California, so right, I still right. don't necessarily work for Barber Brigade. Uh, mm-hmm. They're just really good friends of mine, and so we, we, gotcha. we collaborate as much as we can. Um, Barquan's one of my best friends and business partners with Kaizen, and then awesome. um, the rest of the crew there is just, just cool homies. You know, there's some younger cats that I see a lot of myself in, and so one, we get along and we're friends, but two, you know, as much as I can help them, I try. But right. uh, yeah, I competed last June in a deadlift only competition. Uh, okay. Did it go great? I've been dealing with kind of back issues for probably really my whole life, but really flared up probably two or three years ago. Um, yeah, Kaizen, Kaizen's just, you know, online coaching, different programs, stuff like that, but it's, it's, it's highly strength conditioning based, you know, uh, powerlifting, et cetera, is highly involved in there. And then I I have a handful of athletes, um, that I still coach one-on-one. Uh, but every day, yeah, like even right after this, uh, I got a squat day today. I'm going to go hit a heavy single and some back down triples. You know, I was still training. Well, there you go. Yeah. Same deal as always. Nice, man. So is there like a, you know, a specific, you know, philosophy or methodology that you, um, you know, really resonated with you, like in terms of, of strength conditioning or powerlifting? Like for me, um, when I started getting into it, I, I kind of discovered uh, Louis Simmons because he kind of had more of a like, all right, we need to be explosive. It's a little, geared a little bit more towards towards athletes and, and powerlifters, but he kind of had a big uh, influence on me. Um, and again, over the years, you know, there's you know, 531 and, you know, all different types of, of kind of methodologies. But is there anyone that like stuck with you or like, you know, you switch it up time to time? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people, you know, when I first started super training, I had been kind of powerlifting in a sense. I hadn't competed, but I've been training that way for two or three years on my own. And so mm-hmm. I read, I read kind of similar to you, bottom T nation. I read a bunch of West side yeah. books. Uh, but as soon as I went to super training and I knew the history, Mark Bell is, is, is a protege of Louis Simmons. Basically he got his start right. on West side. Um, so I wanted to learn, and that's how they trained there. They trained in the West side conjugate method. Um, okay. Uh, so basically as they joined super training and they did Westside conjugate, I didn't want to be the squeaky wheel or nothing. So I right. read and saw uh, everything I could on Westside conjugate, Louis Simmons and all that. Um, so he definitely influenced and I learned a lot from him, but lucky for me over the last 10 years, um, part of, I guess my job is I think I can communicate well and I think I can network well and I think I'll make friends well. And so basically my job over the last 10 years is bringing all these what I think are the best strength coach best athletes best strength athletes and I've given trying to give them um, maybe more props or more a voice or interviewed them over the years and right. um, trained with them and learned from them and, and been a mentee to them um, and so my I guess personal philosophies and strength conditioning um, are influenced by everyone you know from Lane Norton to the 3DMJ guys Alberto Nunez Eric Helms um, right. to the RP guys Mike Israel to you know Brian Shaw to um, Ed Cohn to Louis right. Simmons to kind of everywhere uh, Jeremy Hamilton was a big influence in me and how I trained Boris Shako uh, I read a lot of his stuff and everyone knows kind of this you know Shako template that's floating around the internet uh, but to be able to spend time with Shako who's arguably you know one of the best strength coaches in the history of mankind um, pick his brain Brain, learn from him, do a project with him, um, kind of along those lines. You know, even Olympic weightlifters. I have a really good friend right. um, here named Ben Claridad here in Sacramento who's a really good coach. Uh, Amadeo, 
Novello, who coaches a bunch of UFC guys um, and a bunch of top athletes. My boy Jacob Ross, who's worked with uh, right, yeah. numerous NBA players and NFL players. Uh, uh, my boy Ramsey, who, who's the strength coach for the Sacramento Kings. I- I'm lucky enough to to rub elbows with these guys. And when I yeah. interview them, yeah, I'm interviewing them to share their story and their knowledge with the world. Um, but there's definitely a selfish part of me that's interviewing them <laughs> to learn. You know, I'm learning as yeah, much as definitely. I can. And, and I'm not just asking questions. I'm really soaking in what they're teaching. Yeah, man, that's awesome. That's kind of how my, um, you know, I have a similar philosophy. You know, I have my own brand. It's called uh, Eclectic Athlete. And first of all, most people are like electric athlete, (laughs) no, eclectic (laughs) athlete. So, you know, just, you know, drawing inspiration from, you know, numerous philosophies and not, you know, not being closed minded, because I think a lot of people, um, not only in the fitness industry, but just in general, you know, whether it be nutrition or politics, right? We have, you know, one one track mind. We, you know, we don't want to see, you know, anyone else's perspective or anyone else's point of view. But, you know, I believe you can learn so much from everyone, you know, and, and you know, really own your craft by, you know, taking those inspirations. So, like I said, you know, I'm, you know, I play basketball, I play soccer, you know, I like tennis, you know, I, I run track and, uh, you know, I want to do martial arts. Like everything has, you know, a crossover effect. And especially like you said, you know, learning from all these different coaches, everyone has their own unique perspective. So, you know, I think that's awesome that you, you know, you're able to, to be open-minded and, you know, interview all these different people. Um, Appreciate you know, I listen, it. Yeah. 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 I listen to your podcast, yeah. uh, 50% facts. And uh, yeah, I, I checked that one out with Jacob Ross. Um, I've also been following him for a while cause I know he trained uh, Luol Deng and other like uh, sprinters and stuff like that. So he has kind of that unique perspective as well, where, you know, he does a lot of banded stuff, a lot of, you know, oscillatory type stuff. So, you know, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, Jacob's a smart dude. Yeah, it's, it's weird, man. Like you said, politics, fitness, whatever it is, humans always want to self-justify that they're correct or self-justify right. the thoughts they have. And so what happens are people get in this little circle of only listening to, oh, I'm a West Side lifter. I do conjugate. <laughs> and so then they yeah. just read, watch anyone who does West Side or conjugate or Louis Simmons because they want to feel familiar and they want to justify their methods where probably if you already know a good amount about West Side and you truly believe in West Side, you should be watching and reading the opposite of whatever you right. West Side is. And, and same thing. It could be said for politics, man. If you're so left field and you love all these political figures and radio talk show hosts that justify what you believe, you should probably be listening to the opposite guy to see if there's some uh, uh, some kind of overlap, like you said, or something, some kind of similarity between there. And so we can maybe find a middle ground on everything. And training, it's even more so important, I think, because everything we can kind right. of use as a tool. Um, should we have, you know, Luol Deng or whatever be maxing out squats when he has to play 20 minutes tonight? Maybe not. But, you know, Jacob's really smart and he's taken a lot from West Side and he kind of taken a lot from other places and he can use that as a tool to maybe prep Luol for the season or whatever it might be. They're all just different tools we can use. But if you're limiting your tool set and West Side's only electric tools, but now you don't have an outlet, well, you don't even know how to use a fucking hammer. You can't yeah. use a regular hammer. You got no outlet because you only have these electric tools. You got to, you got to, you got to yeah. keep your arson big. You know, you got to keep your arsenal large. Yeah, man, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's that saying, you know, if you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So, you know, if you don't know how to use other tools, or if you're not open to, you know, using other tools, you know, you're kind of limited in your scope. So, you know, I think that's, you know, a great, you know, characteristic of someone that's a leader and a learner is, you know, just being open minded. Like, the more I learn, the more, the more I think I know less, you know, like, I want to learn more, you know, I'm exposed to something new. And 
like, oh man, I really don't know shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, I need to learn more about this. You know, I need especially to learn in the fitness industry. You know, because yep. because you know people didn't study, and we have some really cool episodes coming out with Rand. You'll probably like, uh, like I said, lead strength coach in the Sacramento Kings. Awesome. But he uh, he was talking about how we don't have the funding and money for you know sports performance science because well. Mm-hmm. America puts out the best athletes. So why are they going to dump a $1 billion into learning how to make better American athletes when we have cancer right. and we have all these diseases, we have AIDS, we got things we're still trying to fix here in America that are arguably more important. Yeah. Uh, but even that being said, over the last 20, 30 years, the science has really caught up with kind of the sports performance and not saying that there wasn't good coaches in the seventies. They probably had a lot of things, right. Um, but there's a lot of people nowadays that are really studying these things and coming up with methodologies that are proven across the board. And the science is really, really excelling in that nature. So there's always more to learn in, in crazy detail. Yeah, man, absolutely. And just like, let's take a little deep dive. Like, you know, we've both been in the fitness fitness industry for a little while and there's a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, pet peeves that I have, a lot of kind of trends, you know, fitness coaches or online coaches. Like, what are some that like for you, like we need to kind of, you know, take a step back and like reevaluate or anything that like, you know, kind of peeves you? I don't have like a specific because so many things piss me off. I can't think <laughs> of like one of the biggest things is um just real authenticity. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I understand everyone's got to make money and I understand everyone's got to, you know, pay the bills and eat food and everyone wants to be insta famous and all these stupid things. But as long as you're honest with yourself, then you can start to be honest with your audience. Uh, and let's stop shilling, you know, I guess supplements and things of that nature are kind of one of the mm-hmm. things that mostly pissed me off because all these people are talking about, uh, I just did a video recently only to like CBD and freaking this, oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and this stim machine and that was, you know, this alkaline water and this freaking right, right. new protein with this kind of cricket, protein, <laughs> whatever the hell it might be, whatever yeah. gimmicks new and pop. And, and they come out every one or two years. And for yeah. some reason they do a really good job of marketing and they, uh, use social media marketing, which I'm a big fan of. I'm a big fan of business and I'm a big fan of social media marketing. Uh, but I, I think it's on the user to, or the, the, the athlete or the influencer to really start to measure how much products they really need, how much money they really need, and how authentic they need to be to themselves. Um, there's so many other factors that go into training. You whip open Instagram right now, and I follow a bunch of you know fitness folks, and, and you know the first 20 posts are going to be about some product to help them recover, rather than about managing fatigue, about right. programming, about sleep. Um, there's a good amount about nutrition, but it's kind of repetitive. People are saying the same things. I just wish people would be a little bit more honest and kind of promote the truth. Um, but it is what it is. Instagram is kind of a shallow uh, social media to begin with, and that's why I think a lot of these trends that probably piss you off too are mostly formulated <laughs> on Instagram. They're not really yep. formulated in a podcast. They're not really formulated in a book. They're not normally formulated right. even on YouTube, although some on YouTube, because the message is so much clearer on a podcast. You can't, you and I can't sit here and just bull. I mean, there are actually, I, I take that back. There are a couple of podcasts that really <laughs> piss me off too, because there's a lot of people bullshitting on podcasts as well um, and manipulating science and cherry picking science to make a point and sell a product. But um, I just wish people kind of stay in their lane, talk about yeah. what you know. Um, don't be afraid to say you don't know. Um, don't be afraid to say I'm not the leading expert on this. This has worked for me. Um, and, and then kind of get rid of all these external things uh, and start focusing on um, what, what can help you from the inside, right? Nutrition, sleep, 
programming, managing right. fatigue. Because um, those are literally, and everyone says, oh, yeah, supplements are 1%. And even all these influencers <laughs> will say that. But then they're shilling you freaking the newest right. pre-workout every 10 minutes. Like, <laughs> no, the truth is it's literally 99.9% about these other factors. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, the truth isn't sexy, right? Like people want to, you know, know that secret, like, oh, what's that? What's the one protein I should take? Or what's the one supplement I should take? But, you know, when people tell you like what really works, like, okay, get better sleep, you know, turn off your electronics at night, eat better foods. They're like, uh, you know, they'd rather do something to the extreme, right? People want to be either vegan or carnivore or keto yeah. or paleo, whatever it may be. Like people don't want to, you know, for my, I mean, I've tried, you know, I've tried keto before just to like see how it feels Like, you know, I've, I've done different things just to experiment, but you know, overall, I feel like my success in performance or, you know, physique or whatever it may be is just, having that balance, you know, like I'll have donuts every now and then, but, you know, I'll still get my greens, I'll still get my fruit, you know, but people, <laughs> it's hard for people to, you know, buy into that. So, you know, it is, it's kind of like a human phenomenon. Like we want to have that quick fix. We want, you know, something that catches our eye and we want to go with it. So I know. get it. I mean, I've been there, you know, I was, I was yeah. 17, 18, uh, all the way up until probably 21 years old. I'm Googling every day, like the right. best supplement for testosterone, the best yeah. supplement for fat. Like I get it. But there's so much good information out there. I guess yeah. it's just hard. I love. I freaking love the internet, right? The, without the internet, I have I have no hobbies and I have no job. <laughs> so don't get me wrong. You know, don't make it seem like I'm a, a, out here whining a bitch. But you know, the obviously negative side of the internet is everyone has a voice. So if people aren't um, out there for the truth, and if out, people aren't creating content to actually help people, and if people are honestly just ignorant and they're making content it does kind of hurt the message of some of the greats out there that are, are putting out content uh, to truly help you know alan thrall omar Esop, the 3dmj guys there's a lot of people right. out there that are really out there to help and, and they have a good message to share um but there's also you know for every one of them there's 10 guys out there pimping out the next testosterone booster to, to get ripped in three days right right yeah, man, it's definitely a double-edged sword. Like, like you said, you know, when I was, you know, when we were growing up, like, we didn't have, you know, smartphones. Like, like we couldn't Google whatever, you know, Map MapQuest was a thing. Like, nobody knows about MapQuest anymore. Bro, it's you know? wild. Printing yeah. out directions to find like where my basketball game like, is. I suck yeah. as it is, you know, using Google Maps. Like, I can't even imagine using MapQuest anymore. But I remember, and even this, like, you just talked about smartphones and MapQuest being so old. Like, I remember the day it was a deadlift day and we're like shit instagram just made videos like that, <laughs> you know what i mean but like that's so the yeah. norm now even though that was only like five years ago but i remember that i was like oh that's cool like now i could really post like powerlifting stuff right. i could talk about my sets and i could talk about my whatever and like i remember that being a thing and so i just ran with that and obviously i had a podcast at the time i still have 50 percent facts but i had podcasts talking about and teaching um uh, nutrition, powerlifting, whatever, interviewing cool people. But my whole life, pretty much since I was a kid, was surrounded by sports or video games. You know, I had right. the very first Nintendo system. Hey, hey, your listeners, bro, they're, they're probably like, damn, this fool is old. But I, I had like the original <laughs> Nintendo. I had the, the Game Boy that's the size of a freaking fanny pack, like huge oh, gray okay. thing. Like I played all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and then high school, it was literally – my whole life was working to some nature. Uh, I, I either started a business or, or helped run a basketball league with my dad. Um, playing video games, playing Halo on the weekend with my team, or it was yeah. basketball itself. That's literally all we ever did. We go go to in 
we, we, we play basketball Friday nights. We go to in and out afterwards. Then we go to my dad's house with two TVs and two Xboxes and just play Halo till four in the morning. Wake up the next day and go play basketball again. Like, that was literally my whole life. That's a life and, right there, man. Bro, it was the best, bro. I had a great – you know, my high school uh, was small, really small community. I had the best friends I could ever had. I, I had a tough time just because, like – Every teenager trying to figure out who you are, what you're doing, et cetera. Like that kind of sucked. I didn't enjoy high school in some of those instances. But like my routine, looking back on it, it was amazing. It was, it was freaking sick. And so I got really into um, a Call of Duty, all that through my 20s. I took a little break from playing video games probably when I was like 23 to 26. Yeah. Uh, just figuring out what I was doing and learning as much as I could about powerlifting, strength conditioning, and I was really, um, I was just busy. I was traveling. I was probably right, traveling right. more than I was home. Um, we got back into it probably when I was, yeah, around 26. I'm 30 now. And really, really started watching a lot of content creators in the Call of Duty, um, first-person shooter, YouTube, uh, Twitch world. And then and then right. eventually uh, I was like, man, dude, if I, if I can if I can make an honest connection, have fun doing what I want to do, and make some people laugh, uh, while I'm playing video games, like game on, let's do this thing. So, uh, started Twitch streaming really hard, uh, last October, but I started lightly about a year ago. Um, and then now we do a little YouTube with gaming and stuff like that. It's just a lot of fun, man. It's just another outlet for me to kind of, uh, build a community and have some fun. Dude, that's so awesome. I mean, yeah, definitely like growing up, same thing. I mean, I, I'm from, I'm from a uh, winters, which is like a super small town. It's about a, an hour away from sack but uh, yeah i know where that is yeah so you know growing up it was like sports and video games like you know i played you know ps1 i had the ps2 those are kind of my main i never got into the next gen too much until college you know i kind of mooched off my roommates and stuff like that but you know final fantasy you know metal gear solid um i was big into like you know anything nba live fifa like i remember when i was a kid, I was like, man, I want to be the best video game player in the world. Like, I would play any game that, you know, came my way. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't really until uh, college, you know, I started getting into Call of Duty, uh, playing Xbox Live and stuff like that. And then, you know, FIFA, you know, I was big into FIFA. Um, and, yeah, you know, over the past couple of years, you know, I've just been super busy. But um, definitely, you know, awesome memories. And it's crazy to see how just it's exploded, you know. Like, esports is definitely, like, the next big thing, I think. Um, yeah, but I think. Wild. Yeah, you know, what like what are the main uh like what are the big games out right now? Like is COD still uh pretty big or is any, anything else? Yeah, I think it's hard, you know, cuz uh the more I've gotten into it over the last 4 years, there's like almost different sections, you know. There's like what's popular and people might be playing day to day at home, who kind of knows. There's po- what's popular on Twitch and that's kind of dictated by obviously what people are watching and obviously what the big streamers are playing. And then there's what's kind of big in the esports competitive arena. Um, I think right. Call of Duty because of the type of game it is and the platform, it'll always kind of be big in the competitive scene. So there's always, you know, the, 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 the big names playing that, um, what's really big still on uh, Twitch is Fortnite, Fortnite hit okay. like a freaking truck. Um, yeah. There's a brand new game called Apex Legends, which is kind of um, similar battle royale style to um, Fortnite, except it's first person. Some people liken it to Overwatch. Um, League of Legends, there's still like a huge crowd that's really into some PC gaming, League of Legends, Dota, things of that nature. And then what's cool on Twitch now... um, they almost went backwards. So Twitch started out as a, a company called Justin TV. And basically what it was is kind of what we're doing right now. It was like a live Skype or like just a live stream. And some people would just sit there and talk. Um, then some people started to play video games on there. And basically what happened was Amazon 
bought it, turned it into Twitch TV, or I think it turned into Twitch TV, and then Amazon bought it, whether whatever, oh, wow. neither here nor there. And then uh, it became a huge gaming platform, and it was only gaming. Uh, but now it's gone backwards. So there's people on Twitch that are singing, uh, playing oh, wow. music. There's some people there that are doing art. There's some people there doing podcasts. There's some people there doing talk shows. There's all these different types of content creators um, uh, on it. And so it's been a lot of fun. You know, some, uh, every Monday I try to do a little podcast. I do a little fitness Q&A followed by uh, just in terms of content creating. Twitch is uh, a variety, and then there's kind of a niche for everybody. There's people on there playing Super Nintendo still, and and, and people are watching. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I didn't, I had no idea it was uh, so big. I mean, it sounds like it's definitely like blowing up. Like I just, I likened it to uh, you know video games, but that's that's you know, it's crazy how you know the the internet evolves, and you know something can just you know spiral into something bigger. Um, but yeah, man, that's, that's awesome that you know people have that platform to just you know share. I think there was something called Periscope, is similar to that. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little higher quality and more more set inside. But some people walk around, too, and they'll literally live vlog. There's a kid uh, – not a kid. I mean he's probably about my age. But he, he, he like, lives in Japan, I think. And he'll just live vlog, basically. He calls it IRL okay. streaming, in real life streaming, and walk around Japan all day. A kid Damn. from L.A. Uh, and he's – it's, you know, three, 5,000 people watching him just walk around, try different food, talk to different people, et cetera. Shit, man, last night I, I streamed, and then, and then I stopped probably around uh, – I don't know, eight o'clock, and I was just cruising around. And I started watching T Pain. T Pain was live <laughs> no on way. Switch, bro, playing Apex. So I was oh like, "This is gosh. so sick." That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's crazy how you know all the uh, you know celebrities are super into you know live streaming now. You know, hear about like NBA athletes, you know, like you know being on Fortnite and yeah. you know see Drake and that uh, ninja dude, you know, super big on there. Like, man, that's nuts, nuts. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy, man. And I think just for me. There's such uh, a, a human connection in those things. So many people in our generation, probably the ages, shit, eight years old, all up to about maybe 35 or 40 years old, played video games. Like, it's just yeah. kind of what our generation did, and it's a huge generational thing. Um, and then also fitness, health, nutrition. Everybody knows they should do it. Not everybody maybe should do, does it necessarily or makes a regular routine, but everyone understands it's such a human thing. So um, for me to have those two things in common with the majority of humans um, and to for me to truly love it and be able to build a community around it, I'm just uh, – I'm really lucky. And it's just two two commonalities, I guess, in, in, in the Western world. Yeah, man, absolutely. And I love that message. You know, you know, it seems like, you know, you've really come into yourself and you're just true to yourself. You know, you put yourself out there, whether it's, you know um, – oh man, I didn't have a good lifting day or, you know, Hey, I'm streaming, like come chat. That's awesome. Like, what would you like, what's a message you would give to someone like coming up, whether it's, you know, in the fitness world or, you know, just a kid in high school, like trying to find their way. Like what was, what was one of like, a what was a big realization for you that really helped you like move along your path? Yeah, there's a lot, man. There's a lot of things um, that kind of happened kind of in my late teens, early 20s that kind of formed me and my thought processes. But uh, mm -hmm. I guess like tip wise or, or what I suggest to people is 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 you have to get good at something. Uh, yeah. You know, there's some people that went viral and, you know, got Internet famous for whatever reason. And, and they're making a lot of money and they, they, you know, should happen and the stars align. But if you become the best that you can and dominate whatever it is that you're into or the moment you're into or the job you're into, good things will eventually come. If you work at McDonald's and you're the 
the hardest worker. You're the best French fry fryer. You're the best burger flipper or microwaver or whatever happens at McDonald's. Eventually, you'll be able to move up or take those skills somewhere else. If you learn everything you can from that location, eventually you'll be able to grow. Um, and, and for me, that would just happen to be strength conditioning, coaching, uh, human connection, networking, uh, and really observing and absorbing uh, the people and the talents around me. So, you know, if that's video games, do it, man, and learn and be the best gamer, the best content creator, the best tech guy, the best everything you can. Um, you know, in your situation, you're, you want to be the best track coach you can. And maybe right now uh, you start out coaching track and field for seventh graders. But if you literally are the best seventh grader tracking field coach on the planet, eventually you're going to be a high school track and field coach. All right. And then you're the best. You learn everything. You give your all to being the best track and field high school coach everywhere. Eventually you're going to end up at University of Oregon and you're going to be decked out in all green with the brand new Jordans on <laughs> coaching the, you know, the best track and field program in the nation. Things like that happen. And so if, you, if you really just focus in on uh, one thing, whatever it is you love, whatever it is you're hungry about, and don't just do it. Uh, you can blindly do anything. You can blindly go to the gym and just kind of right. lift. You can blindly interview people and not learn anything. You can blindly read a textbook and kind of gather stuff. But if you truly give your all and try to be the best you can in a certain topic, in a certain world, or in your hobby, uh, eventually good things will come. That's awesome, man. I think that's a, that's you know, that's, I don't even know what what else to ask. Like that's you know, I you know, I really appreciate your time. I don't want to take up too much more, but I do have one more question, and that is, you know, if looking back at your twenty year old self or eighteen year old self, you know, what's a piece of advice you would give yourself? I don't know, man. You know, uh, I think something similar along the lines of what I just said, but uh, I think um, try to not stress it. Try to live in the moment, and that's something still I, I really, really uh, struggle with now. You know, something I, 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 I'm trying to figure out for myself right now is a balance of, of not being satisfied and continuing to work and still um, kind of celebrating or acknowledging my small victories uh, or big victories. Um, it's something I just personally deal with, and uh, I think as a, as a 20-year-old, you just have to start to figure out kind of um, self-awareness, who you are, who you are not, the things you struggle with, the things you're strong with, um, your gifts, your lacking of gifts, um, and, and learn how to utilize them. And that's that's kind of hopefully what people do in their 20s. I think, uh, you know, in our society, things are weird. Uh, life's weird. Uh, generations yeah, are weird. Really. Technologies is weird. But um, and some people never learn those things. You know, I've dealt with a lot of middle-aged to older people. And I'm like, man, I feel like that guy's, uh, don't, doesn't really understand himself. Uh, so I think <laughs> first you got to understand yourself and you got to, uh, start to work on yourself before you can start to help and understand other humans. So, um, spend some time, spend some energy on yourself, uh, and try to enjoy the process. Try to enjoy the process. It's really hard. Uh, I still struggle with the process and I struggle with all these things. And that's kind of why I preach about them. I preach about patience. I preach about self, self-awareness. I preach about, um, enjoying your journey. Uh, but that's purely because uh, it's something I struggle with. Man, that's such a powerful message. I mean, I think it's so relevant in today's time. Like we all, like I said, you know, with social media, we all want that quick fix. We're all looking for that next, you know, big thing. But we, you know, we fail to, you know, to take our time and just develop ourselves. Um, so I think that's really important. And, you know, even for myself, like whether it be, you know, personal training or coaching or, you know, trying to get into schools or whatever it may be, like it's hard to just stay patient. But um, you know, I think that's a, you know, super relevant in today's time and it doesn't matter necessarily your age. Like you said, you know, I know, you know, uh, you know, middle-aged people who don't have their stuff together and you know, everyone yeah. goes through it. Like it's just human nature, but, um, 
that's a great note to leave off of. And uh, thanks again for being on the podcast, man. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, and I know you have a podcast as well. Um, what what where can people find you? Where can people learn more about you? Because you just gave us a ton of knowledge. I know people are going to want to hear more about you. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, Silent Mike on most platforms, Twitch, YouTube, Instagram, uh, Twitter. Uh, and then my, my podcast is 50% Facts, dropping a new episode uh, every Wednesday. Awesome, man. Well, thank you again so much. Um, I hope, you know, we can meet in person one day. And I know you're pretty local, but, um, you know, thanks again, man. No worries, dude. Appreciate you. All right, man. Take care. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. And there you have it. Another great episode. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, guys. Share this episode. Screenshot it. Post it up on your Instagram, Facebook. Leave a review if you can. I greatly appreciate it. And tune in next week for another great episode. Thanks and catch you next time.